Christ the King Story Hour presents Pinocchio. Chapter 22 Pinocchio Discovers the Robbers He had been sleeping heavily for about two hours, when toward midnight he was aroused by a whispering of strange voices that seemed to come from the courtyard. Putting the point of his nose out of the kennel, he saw four little beasts with dark fur that looked like cats standing, consulting together. But they were not cats. They were pole cats carnivorous little animals that are especially greedy for eggs and young chickens. One of the polecats, leaving his companions, came to the opening of the kennel and said in a low voice, Good evening, Malampo. My name is not Malampo, answered the puppet. Oh, then who are you? I am Pinocchio. And what are you doing here? I am acting as a watchdog. Then where is Malampo? Where's the old dog who lived in this kennel? He died this morning. Oh, is he dead? Poor beast. He was so good. But judging by your face, I should say that you are also a good dog. I beg your pardon? I am not a dog. Not a dog? Then what are you? I am a puppet. And you are acting as a watchdog? That is only too true as a punishment. Well, then, I will offer you the same conditions that we made with the deceased Malempo, and I am sure you will be satisfied with them. Well, what are these conditions? One night and every week, you are to permit us to visit this poultry yard as we have previously done, and to carry off eight chickens. Of these chickens, seven are to be eaten by us, and one we will give to you, on the express understanding, however, that you pretend to be asleep, and that it never enters your head to bark and wake up the peasant. Did Malampo act in this manner? asked Pinocchio. Oh, certainly, and we were always on the best terms with him. Sleep quietly, and rest assured that before we go, we will leave by the kennel a beautiful chicken, ready plucked for your breakfast tomorrow. Have we understood each other clearly? Only too clearly, answered Pinocchio, and he shook his head threateningly as much as to say, you shall hear of this shortly. 
the four polecats, thinking themselves safe, repaired to the poultry yard, which was close to the kennel, and having opened the wooden gate with their teeth and claws, they slipped in one by one. But they had only just passed through when they heard the gate shut behind them with great violence. It was Pinocchio who had shut it, and for greater security he put a large stone against it to keep it closed. He then began to bark, and he barked exactly like a watchdog. Bo-woo! Bo-woo! Hearing the barking, the peasant jumped out of bed, and taking his gun, came to the window and asked, What is the matter? There are robbers, answered Pinocchio. Well, where are they? In the poultry yard. Well, I will come down right away. In fact, in less time than it takes to say, Amen, the peasant came down. He rushed into the poultry yard, caught the polecats, and having put them into a sack, said to them in a tone of great satisfaction, At last you have fallen into my hands. I might punish you, but I'm not so cruel. I will content myself instead by carrying you in the morning to the innkeeper of the neighboring village who will skin and cook you as hares with a sweet and sour sauce. It is an honor that you don't deserve, but generous people like me don't consider such trifles. He then approached Pinocchio and began to caress him, and among other things, he asked him, How did you manage to discover the four thieves? To think that Malampo, my faithful Malampo, never found out anything. The puppet might then have told him the whole story. He might have informed him of the disgraceful conditions that had been made between the dog and the polecats. But he remembered that the dog was dead and thought to himself, What is the good of accusing the dead? The dead are dead. And the best thing to be done is to leave them in peace. When the thieves got into the yard, were you asleep or awake? The peasant went on to ask him. Well, I was asleep, answered Pinocchio. But the polecats woke me with their chatter, and one of them came to the kennel and said to me, If you promise not to bark and not to wake the master, we will make you a present of a fine chicken, ready plucked. <laughs> to think that they should have had the audacity to make such a proposal to me. For although I am a puppet, possessing perhaps nearly all the faults in the world, there is one that I certainly will never be guilty of, that of making terms with and sharing the gains of dishonest people. <laughs> well said, my boy, cried the peasant, slapping him on the shoulder. Such sentiments do you honor, and as a proof of my gratitude, I will at once set you at liberty, and you may return home. And he removed the dog collar. Chapter 23 Pinocchio Flies to the Seashore 
as soon as Pinocchio was released from the heavy and humiliating weight of the dog collar. He started off across the fields and never stopped until he had reached the high road that led to the fairy's house. He could see among the trees the top of the big oak to which he had been hanged, but although he looked in every direction, the little house belonging to the beautiful child with the indigo hair was nowhere visible. Seized with a sad presentiment, he began to run with all the strength he had left, and in a few minutes reached the field where the little white house once had stood. But it was no longer there. Instead of the house, he saw a marble stone on which were engraved these sad words. Here lies the child with the indigo hair, who died from sorrow because she was abandoned by her little brother, Pinocchio. I leave you to imagine the puppet's feelings when he had, with difficulty, spelled out this epitaph. He fell with his face on the ground and covering the tombstone with a thousand kisses, burst into an agony of tears. He cried all night, and when morning came he was still crying, although he had no tears left. And his sobs and lamentations were so acute and heartbreaking that they aroused the echoes in the surrounding hills. And as he wept, he said, Oh, little fairy, why did you die? Why did I not die instead of you, I who am so wicked, while you were so good? And my papa, where could he be? Oh, little fairy, tell me where I can find him, for I want to remain with him always and never leave him again, never again. Oh, little fairy, Tell me that it is not true that you are dead. If you really love your little brother, come to life again. Does it not grieve you to see me alone and abandoned by everybody? If assassins come, they will hang me again to the branch of a tree, and then I will die indeed. What do you imagine that I can do here, alone in the world? Now that I have lost you and my papa, who will give me food? Where shall I go to sleep at night? Who will make me a new jacket? Oh, it would be better, a hundred times better, for me to die also. Yes, I want to die. No. Oh. Oh. And in his despair, he tried to tear his hair but his hair was made of wood, and so he could not even have the satisfaction of sticking his fingers into it. Just then, a large pigeon flew over his head and stopping with spread wings, called down to him from a great height. Tell me, child, what are you doing there? Don't you see, I'm crying, said Pinocchio raising his head toward the voice and rubbing his eyes with his jacket. Tell me, continued the pigeon, among your companions, do you happen to know a puppet who is called Pinocchio? Pinocchio? Did you say Pinocchio? repeated the puppet, jumping quickly to his feet. 
I am Pinocchio. At this answer, the pigeon descended rapidly to the ground. He was larger than a turkey. Do you also know Geppetto? He asked. Do I know him? He's my poor papa. Has he perhaps spoken to you of me? Will you take me to him? Is he still alive? Answer me, for pity's sake. Is he still alive? I left him three days ago on the seashore. Well, what was he doing? He was building a little boat for himself to cross the ocean. For more than three months, that poor man has been going all around the world looking for you. Not having succeeded in finding you, he has now taken it into his head to go to the distant countries of the New World in search of you. Well, how far is it from here to the shore? asked Pinocchio breathlessly. Oh, more than six hundred miles. Six hundred miles? Oh, beautiful pigeon, what a fine thing it would be to have your wings. If you wish to go, I will carry you there. How? On my back. Do you weigh much? I weigh next to nothing. I'm light as a feather. Without waiting for more, Pinocchio jumped at once on the pigeon's back, and putting a leg on each side of him as men do on horseback, exclaimed joyfully, Gallop! Gallop, my little horse, for I am anxious to arrive quickly. The pigeon took flight and in a few minutes had soared so high that they almost touched the clouds. Finding himself at such an immense height, the puppet had the curiosity to turn and look down. But his head spun around and he became so frightened that to save himself from the danger of falling, he wound his arms tightly around the neck of his feathered steed. They flew all day. Toward evening, the pigeon said, I am very thirsty. And I am very hungry, rejoined Pinocchio. Let us stop at that dovecote for a few minutes, and then we will continue our journey, so that we may reach the seashore by dawn tomorrow. They went into a deserted dovecote, where they found nothing but a basin full of water and a basket full of vetch. The puppet had never in his life been able to eat vetch. According to him, it made him sick. That evening, however, he ate till he was stuffed. And when he had nearly emptied the basket, he turned to the pigeon and said to him, I never could have believed that vetch was so good. Be assured, my boy, replied the pigeon, that when hunger is real and there is nothing else to eat, even vetch becomes delicious. Hunger knows neither caprice nor greediness. Having quickly finished their little meal, they re recommenced their journey and flew away. The following morning, they reached the seashore. The pigeon placed Pinocchio on the ground and, not wishing to be troubled with thanks for having done a good action, flew quickly away and disappeared. The shore was crowded with people who were looking out to sea, shouting and gesticulating. What has happened? 
asked Pinocchio of an old woman. A poor father who has lost his son has gone away in a boat to search for him on the other side of the water. And today the sea is tempestuous and the little boat is in danger of sinking. Where is the little boat? It is out there, in line with my finger, said the old woman, pointing to a little boat that seen at that distance looked like a nutshell with a very little man in it. Pinocchio fixed his eyes on it, and after looking attentively, he gave a piercing scream, crying, It is my papa! It is my papa! The boat, meanwhile, beaten by the fury of the waves, at one moment disappeared in the trough of the sea, and the next came again to the surface. Pinocchio, standing on the top of a high rock, kept calling to his father by name and making every kind of signal to him with his hands, his handkerchief, and his cap. And although he was so far off, Geppetto appeared to recognize his son, for he also took off his cap and waved it and tried by gestures to make him understand that he would have returned if it had been possible, but that the sea was so tempestuous that he could not use his oars or approach the shore. Suddenly, a tremendous wave rose, and the boat disappeared. They waited, hoping it would come again to the surface, but it was seen no more. Poor man, said the fishermen who were assembled on the shore. Murmuring a prayer, they turned to go home. Just then they heard a desperate cry, and looking back, they saw a little boy who exclaimed, as he jumped from a rock into the sea, I will save my papa! Pinocchio, being made of wood, floated easily, and he swam like a fish. At one moment they saw him disappear under the water, carried down by the fury of the waves, and the next he reappeared, struggling with a leg or an arm. At last, they lost sight of him, and he was seen no more. Chapter 24 Pinocchio Finds the Fairy Again 
Pinocchio, hoping to be in time to help his father, swam the whole night. And what a horrible night it was. The rain came down in torrents. It hailed. The thunder was frightful, and the flashes of lightning made it as light as day. Toward morning, he saw a long strip of land not far off. It was an island in the middle of the sea. He tried his utmost to reach the shore, but it was all in vain. The waves racing and tumbling over each other knocked him around as if he had been a stick or a wisp of straw. At last, fortunately for him, a billow rolled up with such fury and impetuosity that he was lifted up and thrown far onto the sands. He fell with such force that as he struck the ground, his ribs and all his joints cracked. But he comforted himself, saying, This time also I have made a wonderful escape. Little by little the sky cleared, the sun shone out in all its splendor, and the sea became as quiet and as smooth as oil. The puppet put his clothes in the sun to dry and began to look in every direction in hopes of seeing on the vast expanse of water a little boat with a little man in it. But although he looked and looked, he could see nothing but the sky and the sea and the sail of some ship, but so far away that it seemed no bigger than a fly. If only I knew what this island was called, he said to himself. If I only knew whether it was inhabited by civilized people, I mean by people who have not the bad habit of hanging boys to the branches of the trees, but whom can I ask? Whom, if there is nobody? This idea of finding himself alone, alone, all alone, in the middle of this great uninhabited country made him so melancholy that he was just beginning to cry. But at that moment, at a short distance from the shore, he saw a big fish swimming by. It was going quietly about its own business with its head out of the water. Not knowing its name, the puppet called to it in a loud voice to make himself heard. Hey, uh, sir, fish, will you permit me to have a word with you? Two, if you like answered the fish, who was a dolphin, and so polite that few similar are to be found in any sea in the world. Will you be kind enough to tell me if there are villages in this island where it would be possible to obtain something to eat without running the danger of being eaten? Certainly there are, replied the dolphin. Indeed, you will find one a short distance from here. And what road must I take to go there? You must take that path to your left and follow your nose. You cannot make a mistake. Will you tell me another thing? You who swim around the sea all day and all night, have you by chance met a little boat with my papa in it? And who is your papa? He is the best papa in the world.
while it would be difficult to find a worse son than I am. During the terrible storm last night, answered the dolphin, the little boat must have gone to the bottom. And my papa? Well, he must have been swallowed by the terrible dogfish, who for some days past has been spreading devastation and ruin in our waters. Is this dogfish very big? asked Pinocchio, who was already beginning to quake with fear. Big, replied the dolphin. That you may form some idea of his size, I need only tell you that he is bigger than a five-story house, and that his mouth is so enormous and so deep that a railway train with its smoking engine could pass down his throat. Mercy upon us, exclaimed the terrified puppet, and putting on his clothes with the greatest haste, he said to the dolphin, Goodbye, Sir Fish. Excuse the trouble I have given you, and many thanks for your politeness. He then took the path that had been pointed out to him and began to walk fast, so fast, indeed, that he was almost running, and at the slightest noise he turned to look behind him fearing that he might see the terrible dogfish with a railway train in its mouth following him. After a walk of half an hour, he reached a little village called the Village of the Industrious Bees. The road was alive with people running here and there to attend to their business. All were at work. All had something to do. You could not have found an idler or a vagabond, not even if you had searched for him with a lighted lamp. Ah, said that lazy Pinocchio at once. I see that this village will never suit me. I wasn't born to work. In the meanwhile, he was tormented by hunger, for he had eaten nothing for twenty-four hours, not even vetch. What was he to do? There were only two ways by which he could obtain food, either by asking for a little work or by begging for a nickel or for a mouthful of bread. He was ashamed to beg, for his father had always preached to him that no one had a right to beg except the aged and the infirm. The really poor in this world, deserving of compassion and assistance, are only those who from age or sickness are no longer able to earn their own bread with the labor of their hands. It is the duty of everyone else to work, and if people will not work, so much alone, with fatigue and difficulty, two carts full of charcoal. Pinocchio, judging by his face that he was a kind man, approached him and, casting down his eyes with shame, said to him in a low voice, Would you have the charity to give me a nickel? For I'm dying of hunger. You shall have not only a nickel, said the man, but I will give you a quarter, provided that you help me to drag home these two carts of charcoal. I am surprised at you, answered the puppet in a tone of offense. Let me tell you that I am not accustomed to do the work of a donkey. I have never drawn a cart. So much the better for you, 
answered the man. Then, my boy, if you are really dying of hunger, eat two fine slices of your pride, and be careful not to get indigestion. A few minutes afterward, a mason passed down the road, carrying on his shoulders a basket of lime. Would you have the charity, good man, to give a nickel to a poor boy who is faint with hunger? Willingly, answered the man. Come with me and carry the lime, and instead of a nickel, I will give you a quarter. But the lime is heavy, objected Pinocchio, and I don't want to tire myself. Well, if you don't want to tire yourself, then, my boy, amuse yourself with fainting, and much good may it do you. In less than half an hour, twenty other people went by, and Pinocchio asked charity of them all. But they all answered, Are you not ashamed to beg? Instead of idling around the roads, go and look for a little work and learn to earn your bread. At last, a nice little woman carrying two cans of water came by. Will you let me drink a little water out of your can? asked Pinocchio, who was burning with thirst. Drink, my boy, if you wish it, said the little woman, setting down the two cans. Pinocchio drank like a fish, and as he dried his mouth, he mumbled, I have quenched my thirst. If I could only appease my hunger. The good woman, hearing these words, said at once, if you will help me carry home these two cans of water, I will give you a fine piece of bread. Pinocchio looked at the can and answered, Neither yes nor no. And besides the bread, you shall have a nice dish of cauliflower dressed with oil and vinegar, added the good woman. Pinocchio gave another look at the can and answered, Neither yes nor no. And after the cauliflower, I will give you a beautiful bonbon full of syrup. The temptation of this last dainty was so great that Pinocchio could resist no longer, and with an air of decision, he said, I must have patience. I will carry the can to your house. The can was heavy, and the puppet, not being strong enough to carry it in his hand, had to resign himself to carrying it on his head. When they reached the house, the good little woman made Pinocchio sit down at a small table already laid and placed before him the bread, the cauliflower, and the bonbon. Pinocchio did not eat. He devoured. His stomach was like an apartment that had been left empty and uninhabited for five months. When his ravenous hunger was somewhat appeased, he raised his head to thank his benefactress, but he had no sooner looked at her than he gave her a prolonged, oh, of astonishment, and continued staring at her with wide open eyes, his fork in the air, and his mouth full of bread and cauliflower, as if he had been bewitched. What has surprised you so much? asked the good woman, laughing. 
It is, answered the puppet, it is, it is that you were like, that you remind me. It, yes, 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 the same voice, the same eyes, the same hair. Yes, 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 you also have indigo hair as she had. Oh, little fairy, tell me that it is you, really you. Do not make me cry anymore. If you knew, I have cried so much. I have suffered so much. And throwing himself at her feet on the floor, Pinocchio embraced the knees of the mysterious little woman and began to cry bitterly. Chapter 25 Pinocchio promises the fairy to be good. At first, the good little woman maintained that she was not the little fairy with indigo hair. But seeing that she was found out, and not wishing to continue the comedy any longer, she ended by making herself known. And she said to Pinocchio, You little rogue, how did you ever discover who I was? It was my great affection for you that told me. Do you remember? You left me a child. And now that you have found me again, I am a woman. A woman almost old enough to be your mama. I am delighted at that for now. Instead of calling you little sister, I will call you mama. I have wished for such a long time to have a mama like other boys. But how did you manage to grow so fast? That is a secret. Teach it to me, for I should also like to grow. Don't you see? I always remain no bigger than a ninepin. But you cannot grow, replied the fairy. Why? Because puppets never grow. They are born puppets, live puppets, and die puppets. Oh, I am sick of being a puppet, cried Pinocchio, giving himself a slap. It is time that I become a man. And you will become one if you know how to deserve it. Not really. And what can I do to deserve it? Well, a very easy thing, by learning to be a good boy. And you think I am not. You are quite the contrary. Good boys are obedient, and you and I never obey. Good boys like to learn and to work, and you and I instead lead an idle, vagabond life the year through. Good boys always speak the truth, and I always tell lies. Good boys go willingly to school, and school gives me pain all over the body. But from today, I will change my life do you promise me? 
I promise you, I will become a good little boy. And I will be the consolation of my papa. Where is my poor papa at this moment? Oh, I do not know. Shall I ever have the happiness of seeing him again and kissing him? I think so. Oh, indeed, I am sure of it. At this answer, Pinocchio was so delighted that he took the fairy's hands and began to kiss them with such fervor that he seemed beside himself. Then, raising his face and looking at her lovingly, he asked, Tell me, little mama, then it was not true that you were dead. It seems not, said the fairy, smiling. If you only knew the sorrow I felt and the tightening of my throat when I read, Here lies... I know it. And it is on that account that I have forgiven you. I saw from the sincerity of your grief that you had a good heart. And when boys have good hearts, even if they are scamps and have bad habits, there's always something to hope for. That is, there is always hope that they will turn to better ways. That is why I came to look for you here. I will be your mama. Oh, how delightful, shouted Pinocchio, jumping for joy. You must obey me and do everything that I bid you. Willingly, willingly, willingly. Tomorrow, rejoined the fairy, you will begin to go to school. Pinocchio became at once a little less joyful. Then you must choose an art or a trade according to your own wishes. Pinocchio became very grave. What are you muttering between your teeth? Asked the fairy in an angry voice. I was saying, moaned the puppet in a low voice, it seemed to me too late for me to go to school now. No, sir, keep it in mind that it is never too late to learn and to instruct ourselves. But I don't want to wish to follow either an art or a trade. Why? Because it tires me to work. My boy, said the fairy, those who talk that way end almost always either in prison or in the hospital. Let me tell you that every man, whether he is born rich or poor, is obliged to do something in this world, to occupy himself, to work. Woe to those who lead slothful lives. Sloth is a dreadful illness and must be cured at once in childhood. If not, when we are old, it can never be cured. Pinocchio was touched by these words and lifting his head quickly, 
said to the fairy, I will study. I will work. I will do all that you tell me. For indeed, I have become weary of being a puppet, and I wish at any price to become a boy. You promised me that I would, did you not? I did promise you, and now it depends on yourself. <laughs>